well, I'll just put this on here because my New Year's resolution last year to get taller didn't work. Um, but good morning. Good morning on the first Sunday service of 2023, Epiphany Sunday, and Happy New Year. I hope that you had a great Christmas, and I hope that today you have a personal epiphany, a fresh encounter with King Jesus. But even more so, I hope that today will be a pivot point in your spiritual formation. And that might be asking a lot, but do you believe that God has a lot for us? I was going to say, if only two of us believe that, it would still be true, but it's great that everyone else does as well. So do you believe the the Bible when it says in Ephesians 3.20, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. God has far more from us and for us than we could ever hope or imagine in our wildest dreams. But he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit, deeply and gently within us. So today I want us to press in. What does it mean for us to make space for God to work within us by his spirit as we reflect on our theme today, which is making room for King Jesus? And this, believe it or not, is the conclusion of our Advent series, Making Room. And all our Advent, uh, which is the time of anticipating and preparation for the coming of Jesus, usually Advent ends on Christmas Eve, ready for Christmas Day when we celebrate Jesus coming as a baby, God made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. As a teaching team, we felt it fitting that we start the year making room For Jesus, the Son of God, as King. Because Jesus is for life, not just for Christmas. It's for the whole of 2023 and beyond. So, just looping back to recap on our Advent series. Uh, So, Vicky Foster, my wife, kicked things off with a, a prequel. And that prequel set up the whole Advent series with the overarching theme of us becoming a non-anxious presence in a time that can be pressured and full of stress. Uh, Then Phil Miles, Philip over there, he talked about making room for the story uh, that God shows us through the stories of the characters in the Bible, how they made room for the Christmas story. And then Pastor Rachel Jenkins down there, focused on making room for the marginalised and how wonderful to raise so much money for the toy box appeal so that the forgotten and unseen children across the globe can get birth certificates and access the care and support they need. Now, how much did we raise and how many children's lives will that change? Well, just before Christmas, uh, Philip Walker, who is at the back there, told me that we'd raised at that point 2000 
432 pounds, and that meant 76 children would have their lives transformed through having a birth certificate. But then, we had further donations on Christmas Day itself. And this increased to 78 children. Is that good? Come on then. If we could just have the lights down, and if you could just watch this video, please. Wow. And it struck me watching that video that these are things that most, probably all of us, take for granted. And this is a blessing. This is creating transformation in those children's lives across the globe because of what you did this Christmas. So thank you. And then... Um, after that, Joe led our, Pastor Joe Clark at the back there, I'm naming everyone, led our carol service, making room for wonder and hope. And how wonderful was it to open up the doors and invite people in and treat them to uh, pork cobs and refreshments and crafts, a brass band, Father Christmas, and of course, the amazing carol service itself. And thank you, Mick and the worship team for all of the effort and all of the carol, for the first time in ages, a, a, a choir, a, a choir for the carol service. So thank you all for that. And then after the service, all of the hampers that you donated were collected. And again, we were able to donate 69 hampers. And these went to some of the families where a hamper of food at Christmas did give them hope and wonder. And I heard a story that we were getting close to the donation day and Justine Clark, now I would point Justine out, but she out that way. Justine Clark knew that there were some other families that she was aware of that really could use a hamper, but we didn't have enough. And then someone from Junction 10, without knowing this need, donated a, a good sum of money, and that was enough to get these extra hampers. Isn't God good? Isn't God great? So whether you served at Christmas or came along at Christmas or, or donated to the Toy Box Appeal or contributed to the hampers, whatever it is, I wanted to thank you and to celebrate your generosity because this is kingdom work. So thank you. And that's the run-up to the conclusion of this series today. And today, as we look forward to 2023, um, I'm, I'm being quite conventional, unusually, and I've got three points. And these three points are participating with, attention to, and yielding invitation. So part one, participating with. At its heart, the Ephesians 3.20 passage that we read earlier has our participation with God. It's God and only God that can work within us. But we have a choice. Our choice is whether we participate or not. And to participate in anything, in my experience, you need three things. You need priority, you need commitment, and you need time. So that should be up on the slide. There we go. Thank you. It's all right. We had a few technical problems with printouts earlier, so Joe and I are working together as best we can. Um, now, let's imagine that you want to play a team sport competitively. 
I'm not sure why you'd want to do that. But let's, in fact, does anyone here play a team sport competitively? Just one, little one, down there. The rest of you, you're with me. Oh, we've, we've, got, we've got Joe at the back as well. What do you play, Joe? Football. What do you play, Is Football. Now, I'm not sure why you'd want to play a competitive sport, but unless you make room for priorities for playing the sport, it'll never happen because there are so many other things that vie for our attention. So we have to make priority. And then commitment. You need to be able to, willing to make room to turn up to the training sessions, to, to the matches, even, I've found, believe this or not, to the social events. Who knew? Um, because unless you do that, you won't be part of the squad. And then time. You need to make room in your diary for these key events. And if you're serious, it gets worse. You also need to schedule some regular personal training time so that you're fit and well. Now, that doesn't work for me. You've got lots of personal training time that you set aside, Joe, so that you're fit and well for your football. Absolutely nods there over there. Now, what can be said of competitive sport can also be said for our spiritual lives. Indeed, the Apostle Paul likened the spiritual life as training as an Olympic athlete. Running the race set before you, he said. And he wrote in 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Paul is clear that there's an expectation we will need to make room in our priorities, our commitments and our time for our spiritual formation. So the first question that we might ask ourselves at the start of this year is how might I, how might you, how might we intentionally make room for the rhythms and the practices that we could adopt in 2023 to create the environment and the room for God to do his very best work in me and in you. Effectively, how will you, through priority, commitment and time, cultivate your spiritual formation so that you are intentionally making room for King, D King Jesus to transform you into his likeness? And I don't mean that we have to make, as Mick said, another New Year's resolution, although the one that you suggested was a brilliant one that we would follow Jesus, Mick, absolutely. But you know what? Most people believe that to be successful in anything at all, then you have to try really hard. You have to try harder. And that's what New Year's resolutions are really about. But for most of us, our New Year's resolutions are broken within the first few days, if not weeks, of the new year. So God's wisdom isn't come on, try harder. When it comes to the spiritual life, you can't sustain godly behavior simply by telling yourself that you must do better, you must do more, you must do those things you should do. Don't get me wrong, sometimes you can get a degree of success with this sort of approach. 
but it's often unsustainable. It can lead to anxiety or discouragement, and mainly that's because it's based on a false premise. And this false premise is this. The false premise is that your transformation depends on you. That's the false premise. That's the lie that your transformation depends on you. When we try and make an impact for God, when we do things for God, when we're really trying to make a difference for God, we can do many things that look spiritual. But we get more and more exhausted because rather than drinking from the refreshing pool that is God, we're chasing mirages. Even something that looks perfectly good can be a mirage. The reality is, when our lives are characterised by trying and rushing and hurry, the still small voice gets drowned out. Our souls get neglected, left behind, overlooked, and they remain unnurtured. And God graciously, patiently waits for us to make room for him. Because the impact God wants us to have, and he does want us to have an impact. Do you believe that? That God wants us to have an impact. But the impact that God wants us to have doesn't happen by us pursuing the impact. It happens by us pursuing God. Do you believe that? It doesn't happen by us pursuing the impact. It happens by us pursuing God. So, if the false premise is that your transformation depends on you, the truth is that your transformation into the image of Christ is something that only God can do through the power of his spirit working within you in his gentle and slow way. Amen? And as Ephesians 3.20 said earlier, God isn't going to push you around. He's not going to barge in. He's patient with us. And he waits for us to be ready to participate with him. And Jesus knew this when he spoke these words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Lovely passage. We've used it many times at Junction 10. This is the message version. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Look at the language here. It's about making room. It's about getting away. It's about being with Jesus. It's about rest and living freely and lightly. And in other translations, the ones that we're perhaps more familiar with, uh, Jesus talks about a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. But you know, I often think too often our discipleship is more about us trying harder than it is about us making space to participate with the slow work of God's Spirit. Uh, And that's a problem because the try harder, do more discipleship 
rarely transforms us into the image of Christ. But Jesus offers life to the full, an abundant life. And I don't know about you, but this is the sort of life I long for, here, now, on earth, and then in the life to come. Let me ask you, do you feel you're living freely and lightly at the moment? If not, then make room for King Jesus this year. Let him show you how to participate with him in his transformational work within you. So that's the first point, participation with. The second point is attention to. Now, how good are you at paying attention? Pretty good? Now, I'm going to show you an awareness test video. Some of you might have seen this before, and you might know the answer to the test. So please don't give it away or shout out to others. But if you haven't, or even if you have, I wonder if any of you can accurately complete this test. Now, I will say it's a very hard test. It's a very fast thing that happens, so you have to pay attention. And even if at times you lose track, try uh, and not to give up. Okay, so Phil, if you could drop the lights, watch the video. The answer is 13. Anyone get that? But did you see the moonwalking bear? It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Did, did any of you uh, miss the moonwalking bear the first time? Yeah? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I know I, that's been seen a few times before, but I'm glad, I'm glad it worked for some of us. So, although that was a cycle safety uh, video, the closing comment, it's easy to miss something that you're not looking for, is so relevant to our spiritual formation. Can you believe that a moonwalking bear can be completely missed because we're so closely paying attention to other things? And the same can happen when we don't pay attention to our spiritual formation, when we've got our attention on other things. The intended result of our spiritual formation, the long arc of our Christian walk into maturity, is to grow in love day by day, week by week, year by year. So another good question that we can ask ourselves at the start of a new year is, have I grown in love for God and for others compared to last year. The reason love is the prime measure of our maturity is that God is love. That's the, what the Bible says. The Bible says God is love. It also says that Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. So Jesus is love. And so if we grow into the likeness of Christ, then it's inevitable that we will become more loving, just like him. What does love look like? Well, 
Many of us have seen this passage from 1 Corinthians 13 uh, at wedding days, but it was never really written for a wedding. It was written to show us what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And although that's a lovely passage to read, this is telling us what love looks like. So if we are to be more loving, if we're becoming more loving, we might ask ourselves, have we grown in patience, in kindness, in humility, in selflessness? Are we less prone to outbursts of anger? Do we keep score less and less and so on? Maturity in our spiritual formation is about how we're growing rather than how many years we've been a Christian. It's about how we're growing in love more than it's about how often do we come to church or read our Bible or pray, even though those things should help us to be transformed into Christ's image. But as an aside, I've found that whilst a quiet time is absolutely essential for our discipleship, no two ways about it, a daily quiet time is essential. If we're to be transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ, then that on its own may not be enough to bring us to the full maturity that Paul talks about. To be transformed, we have to make room to pay attention to our spiritual formation and to the leading of the Spirit. So paying attention to the Spirit, what's that look like? Well, the other indicator that we might think about for our spiritual growth, what's a barometer, if love is the barometer... What's another indicator of our spiritual growth? Well, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, leads with love, so we've, we've got that bit right. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So again, we can look to these and say, are these being cultivated in us? Now, we did a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and what we said then was, you know, a, a tree can't make a piece of fruit grow by trying harder. So it's not about trying harder. In our case, it's about allowing the Spirit to work within us. It's about paying attention to the Spirit to allow that fruit to start to grow within us. And Romans 8 verse 5 says, Those live according to the flesh, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. So the flesh is our natural, animalistic, human, you know, those, those sort of elements of the, the, the world lust, lusts after. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It goes on to say that the life of the flesh is death, but the life of the Spirit is life, and we have to choose. We have to ask ourselves in our day-to-day -day lives, what are we paying attention to? Are we paying attention to the spirit, which is gentle and often moves in quiet ways, as our passage earlier said, and they're easy to miss? Or is the world and the flesh constantly craving and battling for our attention so that the still, small voice is drowned out? 
And um, last year, my wife shared with me a really useful idea that came from Mike Pilavachi in one of his books about paying attention to the spirit. And it was this phrase, butterfly moments. And if you can imagine how gently a butterfly might land on your skin and how easy it would be to miss that, then that's a little bit like the spirit. Um, what did Jesus say? Well, let's, let's, say what, let's look at what Jesus said about prayer. Jesus said, but when you pray, go away by yourself, enter into your closet, and when you've shut the door behind you, pray to your father in private or who is unseen or in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And I think to me this indicates that Jesus saw prayer as an opportunity to make room and hear the still small voice. We know that Jesus often went to lonely places to pray. The first bit, when you pray, there is an expectation that we will make room in our schedule. And in Jesus' day, this was at least three times a day, morning, noon and night. Secondly, go away by yourself. So this isn't the sort of corporate prayer that we've had today. This is solitary prayer. Number three, uh, enter your closet or your room. So there's an expectation that you would make physical room, that there would be a small place somewhere where you could go, just you and God. Number four, shut the door. I didn't realise that rhyme, that's awful, sorry. <laughs> um, shut the door. This indicates shutting out the noise, finding room for quiet, and then being quiet. And being quiet is making room mentally, letting your thoughts quieten, and then becoming internally quiet, making room in your heart. Number five, pray to your Father in private. And this talks about the secret place where you meet God. And such places are always places of quiet and solitude, just between you and your maker. And then finally, your father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. So this again points to making space for that secret, quiet place where only God sees you and where you can hear him and allow him to make room in your life. And I love the message version of this coming up on the screen. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. And we all need to sense God's grace in our lives. But if we're not paying attention to and looking for those Holy Spirit butterfly moments, they are so gentle, they happen without us realising and we miss them. We go through our day uh, attentive to the gentle whispers and the nudges of the Spirit, then we begin to recognize them and we're able to respond to them and yield to them and to follow his lead and we begin walking more and more in tune with the Spirit. A little story I heard uh, a few weeks back. A farmer lost a precious watch in his barn, a really uh, precious watch. He searched the whole barn but couldn't find it. So he went out to the group of kids that were playing nearby and he offered them a reward of £50 if they could find the watch. 
They searched the barn for several hours, but to no avail either. The children gave up and left, but one said to the farmer, can I have another try, please? Within 10 minutes, the boy emerged from the barn with a precious watch to the farmer's astonishment. How were you able to find it so quickly when I'd searched and everyone else had searched so fervently? The boy replied, when everyone else had gone, it was quiet. All I had to do was lie down and be quiet myself. Then I could hear and follow the tick. So in 2023, how can we give attention to the Spirit? Ultimately, we give attention to the Spirit because the Spirit points us to who? To Jesus. And as Jesus said himself in John 15, 26, the Spirit bears testimony about me. So this brings us to our third and final point, the yielding invitation. How can we yield to the invitation of King Jesus in 2023? How can we be with Jesus so that we know him and he knows us rather than us just learning about him? In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, that word abide is live in me, if you rest in me, if you are one with me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding is an intimate form of making room to be with. It's being at one with. It is as close as the branches to the vine. Do you know him this closely? Do you know him in this way? Do you yield your agenda to find time to be in his presence? Not just doing the things like reading the Bible and praying, not just coming to church, but being with him in his presence. See, there's a difference between intimacy and acquaintancy, between knowing about and being with. So how we make room to pay attention to King Jesus in the coming year and yield to his invitation is vitally important. And the reason I mention about the quiet times being important, but you know, not being the be all and end all, is that some of the most devout and religious people in Jesus' day did all of those religious things yet completely missed Jesus. Even though they knew the, bio, the scriptures, their scriptures inside out, they were the most learned and knowledgeable people about what the scriptures said. But what Jesus said to them is this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And the clue is in those last few words, Come to me to have life. This is Jesus' invitation to us in 2023. This is the invitation from Jesus that we must yield to, to come to him, to be with him, to spend time with him, to follow him. Will you yield to that invitation? As we heard earlier, Jesus says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. But Jesus is also clear in another passage when he says that there is a cost to this invitation. I wouldn't want you to think that this invitation was free and easy. It cost Jesus everything and there is a cost to us as well. Because he says, if you want to be my disciples, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. There's a price to pay in taking up your cross daily and then a price to pay if you yield to that invitation, that King Jesus' lifestyle. And Jesus said, although if you do this, you'll lose yourself, and that's the cost, you will actually find yourself. You won't become less you, you'll become more the you the creator created you to be. And this is a quote from Bill Galtieri's book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Oak. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. He offers his apprentices, disciples, a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity with ease at his side, like two oxen in a field tied shoulder to shoulder with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting at his pace, slow and hurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. An easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. So in conclusion, um, our theme of today's talk has been about making room for the Son of God, King Jesus, as we move into 2023. And I'd like us to reflect on who this King Jesus is because, you know, whether we make room for him depends on who we see him as. King Jesus is the Son of God, the Word of God, the creator of the universe, the creator of you, everyone here, the giver and author and the finisher of your soul, the giver and sustainer of life, the vine which unless you are connected like branches, you die. Not physically, but you die spiritually. In a moment, we're going to watch our final video that will end um, this uh, and then lead into the worship team singing us a final song. Would the worship team like to come up and get ready so we're ready to go after the video? That would be wonderful. And the video is by Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. And it's an absolute, we, we've played it here before. Some of you may not have seen it though, but it's an absolutely inspiring video for us to reflect on who Jesus is. So shall we pray? Let's pray just before we watch this video. My prayer, Father God, for us here, for each individual here and us corporately at Junction 10, is that we would make room to press into being formed into the likeness of Christ, your Son, King Jesus. That we would participate with you, God, in your gentle work within us. That we would make room in our priorities, being intentional about our commitment and our time to being with you, Lord Jesus. That we would pay attention to our spiritual formation and we would pay attention to and listen for and walk in step with your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. That we would yield to this invitation to be apprentices of King Jesus. Lord God, let our purpose in 2023 be to be one with you. Let Christ-likeness be our sole focus for our spiritual formation. And in those times when we think we have to do it all, 
Remind us that all we're asked to do is to make room for your work in our lives. Because in reality, Lord, only you can transform us. But we need to make room. So Jesus, I choose again the path of an apprentice disciple. Teach me to love. Teach me to love you with all my mind, all my heart, all my body, all my strength, all my soul. Help me, help us to imitate you. Help us to include you as we plan our diaries, as we write our to-do lists, as we waste our times on our phone and watching TV, even as we walk through our local neighbourhoods. Be with us, Lord. Shape our lives around creativity, justice, mercy, and your unforced rhythms of grace. And all the people at Junction 10 said, Amen. Watch the screen for the last time. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him.
they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him.